Hello and welcome to Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. I'm Caroline Allen. I'm a social worker and parenting coach. My goal in my business and in this podcast is to help you raise kind, resilient young people. And it's to walk alongside you on your journey towards safer, stronger parenting. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, hello and welcome to episode eight of Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different, actually. I Just this morning, I sat down and did a Facebook Live video in a beautiful group called Connected Mama, a Facebook group called Connected Mama. And the topic that I presented on was about a chance to connect, turning ISO into an opportunity for growth as a family. So I talked through 10 different tips that I can that I believe can help us shift out of survival mode and into a place where we can connect and grow through this whole experience because as we know you can't learn and grow and expand when you're deep in survival mode so the first most important step we can do for ourselves at the moment is to every single day check in with ourselves and work out what we can do and what we need to help us shift from survival mode into a more positive space. So I finished doing that Facebook Live and then I thought, you know what, I think more people need to hear this. (laughs) I think this content is actually really, really relevant for a lot of people right now. So I've downloaded the live and I've turned it into a podcast. Now, while you're listening, you might hear me sometimes comment and talk to the people who were commenting as I was presenting the live. So if you get confused about who I'm talking to, that is who it is. So I hope you enjoy this content and I hope that it does prove um, helpful in helping you through this challenging situation that we're all finding ourselves in right now, especially in stage four lockdown here in Melbourne. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, lovely members of Connected Bummer. How are you all this morning? I should start by introducing myself. My name is Caroline Allen. I am a parenting coach. I offer one-on-one parenting coaching. I have an online membership called The Village, which yesterday I was doing a live in there and I called it the fuzziest place on the internet (laughs) because that is exactly what it is. It's a place of support and warmth and connection and learning and growth and it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm also a social worker. So my background is actually as a social worker, primarily with children who've experienced an extensive amount of trauma as well as teaching body safety to kids in schools. So today I wanted to talk about the experience of being in ISO. This ISO life that so many of us have lived, well, all of us have lived at some point this year and many of us, especially in Melbourne, are still living let's face it 2020 feels like the longest year in history (laughs) and it's a year of to say that it's massive upheaval and stress just doesn't cut it it doesn't do this year justice um so i wanted to talk about turning it into an opportunity for growth but I feel like when I say that, when I say turning it into an opportunity for growth, it could get some groans, right, and get some resistance because it's like we're not growing right now, we're surviving. We are in a place of just trying to get through. How do we get to the other side of this? Particularly in Melbourne with a stage four lockdown, it's just like, how? How do I get to the other side of this? I don't care about growing, I just want to get through. 
So here's the key. If we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what we know is that we need at the bottom of the pyramid. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you've never seen or heard of it before, it's a pyramid. And on the bottom is really the survival stuff. We need food, shelter. Up the top is about self-actualization. And it's really saying you can't have self-actualization unless you have met the basic needs at the bottom. So you can't grow. Essentially what it means is you can't be growing and, and learning and expanding into your best version of yourself unless at least your basic survival needs are met. So what I want you to, what I want today's session to really be about is actually shifting from just survival. We're going to talk about 10 different tips, I've got 10 tips for shifting out of just basic survival mode and shifting up another step of that hierarchy of needs. Because once we start to shift up to the next step, then the self-actualization stuff starts to actually come naturally. The growth, the learning will just flow on from that through the experience. The hardest part is to kick ourselves out of survival. So that is what we're going to talk about today. How do we get out of survival mode? Actually kind of find our way just back into our own bodies, feel a little bit calmer, feel a little bit more centered each day and therefore be better equipped to make the best of the situation that we are finding ourselves in. And we'll all be experiencing different levels of stress at the moment, whether we've still got employment or we don't, whether our housing is at risk or it's not, whether our lives are at risk or they're not, whether someone close to us is directly affected or we have been directly affected, we will all be at different levels of risk. But the things I'm gonna be talking about today will be relevant to everybody and adaptable for everybody, regardless of how directly affected you are in this current situation that we're all in. Hi, Cheryl, thank you for watching. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. My 10 tips for getting out of survival mode and into a place where we actually can learn and grow and knowing that they're learning and that growth will come naturally once we can pick ourselves up from the floor a little bit. And these things are also, they're not like a do once and set and forget will be okay from that point onwards. Thanks dogs. They are gonna be a daily commitment. In the situation that we have got this year, these are, this is a process of checking in every single day with these things and keep doing them every single day because we've gotta be looking after ourselves every single day in order to stay okay. Now, I haven't explained yet that my kids are over there watching My Little Pony. They're only, my youngest has just turned two my eldest is four. They don't know how to work the TV yet. They can watch it, they don't know how to work it. So at some point they will interrupt if I help with the TV. Let's hope my Netflix babysitter doesn't bail on me like it did yesterday when I was doing a live. Um, <laughs> so if you, I should have written in the comments, if you start watching or if I suddenly, and yeah, or in your all series an empty seat, or if I suddenly have to disappear, all that's happened is that I'm helping my kids and I will be back. All right, so let's get on to my 10 tips. My first tip is about making sure, checking in with yourself to make sure that the expectations you have on yourself during this period of time, during the whole of 2020, are actually your expectations. 
Whose expectations are they? Where did they come to you from? What do you think? What ideas have you got in your head about what you should be doing this year? What you should be achieving? What you should, how you should be making the most of your time or endless amount of time indoors? <laughs> Where did those expectations come from? And are they yours? Did they come to you from social media? Did they come to you from a random Mamma Mia article that you read about how you should be doing XYZ during ISO and using it as a chance to get fit and learn a second language <laughs> or redo your pantry or whatever it might be? Where did they come from? Write down, grab a pen and paper and write down what your expectations of yourself are. They might not even be conscious ones. They just somehow found their way into your subconscious and now you're mad with yourself because you don't seem to be meeting them. Write down, what are my expectations of myself during 2020? And then in the next column, write down, where did they come from? And then in another column, write down, what, would I, what do I want my expectations to really be? There's nothing creates unhappiness, unhappiness in us like expectations. One of my friends once said to me, expectations are the root of all human suffering. I'm not sure that they're the root of all human suffering, but I think they're the, they're the root of a lot of it. When we have expectations about how things should be or how they should look or what we should be acting like or all of that, and then we don't measure up or life doesn't measure up to what we think it should be like, it causes us so much internal agony. So we want to really get clear on what our expectations are and where they came to us from. That is my number one tip. Make sure your expectations are actually yours, not somebody else's. That's number one. Number two, remember that all your feelings right now are normal and okay. So it, whether you are feeling sad, depressed, anxious, worried, frightened, or calm, confident, whether you're chaotic, whether you're just whatever it might be, whether you're finding it easy and fine and you're actually having a good time and you're making the most of it and it's all being feeling really easy. No matter what you're feeling at any moment in time, all your feelings are normal and okay and they are all part of the normal huge human range of emotions. They are all come to us for a reason and for a purpose. As humans, we've become very good at trying to cover up our feelings, trying to ignore them, trying to numb them, perhaps by eating or scrolling on our phones. We've become very, very adept at doing whatever we can to dodge our own feelings. And we also, we attach a lot of meaning to our feelings. We might have grown up thinking that if we're sad, that means we're a sad sack and we are wrong to be feeling so sad. We should just build a bridge and walk on over it. We might have grown up with messages telling us that if we're angry about something, that that means we're hysterical and making a fuss and we need to get over it and calm yourself back down. You are wrong to get so angry. You need to do something about that anger. Anger is a normal human emotion and you're allowed to experience it. There's nothing wrong with feeling angry. It's what we do with our anger and how we express it that matters. 
you might have grown up with the message that if you ever feel ungrateful, <laughs> that you're just wrong. You should always be grateful and you should remind yourself always of how lucky you are. You know what? Gratitude is powerful. Gratitude, reminding ourselves to be grateful, does help. It genuinely does help us to feel better. It helps us get our perspective back. But it needs to come just from us. It needs to be when we have dealt with our other feelings, we have acknowledged them, we have given them their place, we have paid attention to them, then we will find that gratitude tends to come quite naturally. Don't feel, so gratitude is a wonderful thing and I'm going to talk about it later on as a strategy, but never feel bad or guilt yourself or, or beat yourself up if you're having moments of not feeling grateful. You're allowed to have moments where you don't feel grateful. It's completely normal and it's completely okay. The reason that I'm saying that this is an important thing to remember right now is because right now our emotions are going up and down like this. <laughs> and we cause ourselves a lot of extra suffering by beating ourselves up when we experience what we call negative emotions. If we feel sad, if we feel like we're struggling, we translate that into, I mustn't be coping. And it's just not true. It's actually just really normal. So when we can forgive it, not forgive ourselves, that's the wrong word, when we can just embrace and accept that our feelings are going to do this and we honour when we feel sad and we honour when we feel ungrateful and we let it be and then we use it to ask ourselves, what is it that I'm needing right now? What might help me to feel better? Instead of just avoiding them or numbing them or distracting ourselves from them or just pretending that they're not there. That's the key to actually moving through it. Even better, not just noticing our feelings, asking ourselves what we need, but talking about them with others and knowing that that is a safe thing to do. Now, you might be listening and thinking, well, of course. Doesn't everyone know that? Some people do, but not everyone. For some people, they have grown up really with strong messages about those negative feelings not being tolerable and not being okay. And they will associate them intensely with the idea that there must be something wrong with them if they feel that way. And it is just time to let go of that. Our feelings are nothing more than our key to working out what it is that we are needing. And we've got to get better at tapping into them, talking about them and using them as our guide to keep moving forward. That was number two. We want to step up Maslow's hierarchy of needs out of survival and into growth. We've got to embrace that all our feelings are normal and okay and we can notice them and accept them, sit with them, dig into them to work out what it is that we're needing. That's number two. Number three, remember that shame is the ultimate sabotager. <laughs> So if we're feeling shame, as in feeling, I'm not good enough, I'm not coping, I'm not coping like other people, I'm not doing the remote learning like other people are, my kids don't listen, other people's kids play together better, I must not have done a good job. When we are heaping those stories onto ourselves, shaming ourselves, we dig ourselves into a very deep hole that it is very hard to climb out of. It's shame upon shame upon shame. And the more into shame we get, the harder it becomes to talk to anyone about it. Shame is the ultimate, as well as being the ultimate sabotager. It's gonna sabotage your 2020. 
and will definitely turn this whole ISO experience into not a period of growth but purely a period of survival. So it's the ultimate sabotager, but it's also the ultimate silencer. When we're experiencing shame, the first thing we do is shut up about it. We don't want anyone to see our shame because then they might realize that we're not worthy and we're not good enough and see the darkest fears and the darkest parts of ourselves. So actually, because shame is the ultimate silencer, what we've got to learn and remember throughout this whole period is that the antidote to shame is to speak it. So if you find yourself in a place of feeling shame, if you are telling yourself stories about how you're not measuring up and you're not good enough and you're not doing as good a job as other people, whether it's about how you work from home and juggle everything and the remote learning and you know doing three full-time jobs at once, because that's humanly possible. What are you doing then? Oh, you're running away, okay. Um, <laughs> we, I can't remember what I'll say. It's the ultimate silencer. So we heap these stories on top of ourselves and we then start to think, well, I cannot tell anybody. I can't let anybody see these darkest parts of myself. And that is a very deep hole that we dig that gets very hard to get out of. So if you find yourself telling you those, find yourself telling yourself those stories, what I want you to remember is the shame. It's the ultimate sabotager. And it's the ultimate silencer. And the antidote to shame is to speak it. Tell someone about those stories that you're telling yourself. Tell someone about how afraid you are to tell anyone that that's what you're thinking. And go, do you think other people feel like this? Because the best thing is when you hear, yeah, everyone has those thoughts. Suddenly it feels like a weight has lifted off our shoulders and it feels so good. So that's number three. Remember that shame is the ultimate sabotager and the ultimate silencer. And the only antidote is to speak it. Number four, focus on what you can do to look after yourself. Right now we have a long list of things that have been taken away from us that might be our very normal way of life. They absolutely are our very normal way of life and our ways of looking after ourselves. And it's very easy to get caught into there is nothing I can do anymore to look after myself. Like I can't go to the gym. I can't go swimming. I can't go out and see my friends. I can't even go for a walk for more than an hour. I <laughs> can't go out for dinner. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're right, there is so many things we can't do. But when we, get, when we start to get buried down into the stories of I can't, that's a very quick downhill slide into survival and feeling like there is no way out of this. I can't do any better. So the, the most important step we can take for ourselves is to go, what can I do? What can I do? I can still go for a walk for an hour. I can still sit outside and get some fresh air. I can sit and have a cup of tea and just sit in silence and not do any housework for the next hour. I can still, I can focus on the littlest things that you can do, whether it's having a bath, having a cup of tea, having some quiet time, watching your favorite Netflix show after the kids have gone to bed, whatever it is, write yourself a list of the things you can still do. 
And those little things, they add up to a lot. They actually, when you prioritize those small things, they actually add up to make a really big difference. And the most important thing though is the mindset behind it, the power of I'm gonna choose what I can do and I'm going to do those things. I can do an in-home workout if I want to. <laughs> I can make myself a decent cup of coffee at home. <laughs> Whatever it is, it really is small, but they really do add up to make a really big difference. So that's number four. Focus on what you can do to look after yourself. Now, all of those first four are going to help shift us into out of survival mode, out of survival mode and into a space where we can be more emotionally available for our kids and offer them more of a connection. If we're deep in survival mode, we won't even be able to do that and we'll find ourselves in a parenting shitstorm where things just feel like they get worse and worse because the less emotionally available we are for our kids, the more we are in survival mode, the more our kids will be reaching out to us, trying to grab on to go, where are you? Please pay attention to me. Please offer me some guidance. Please be my safe person. And the more we shrink back, the more, if we're in survival mode, we tend to shrink and pull back from that. And then they have to grab on even tighter. And then we feel more enraged. So we pull back again and they grab on tighter. So we've got to do those basics to get ourselves just out of survival mode and therefore more able to offer them some connection and we can start to reverse that parenting shitstorm. So my next tip is about prioritising connection with our kids. Now, this will promote a sense of connection with them and it will have a flow-on effect for the rest of the day. If you can do this in the morning, it will genuinely make a significant difference for the rest of the day. It is only a very small thing that I'm gonna suggest. So you will be surprised that something so small can make such a big difference. This is what it is, present time. Start with just 10 minutes of present time with your kids. Now present time means no screens, no distractions, no just getting up to do something else, no just nicking off to put the washing on, nothing else. It means child-led play. Now normally with present time we'd say it's one-on-one -on -one with one child at a time. Right now that's probably not so possible. So if it's just with, with them all together, however many kids you have, that's completely fine. Go with that too. But it is no distractions, 10 minutes. Now the other tip with present time is to have a boundary on the other side of it. Put a timer on that's going to go off after 10 minutes. The reason for that is because it gives it a boundary that we're going to follow through on so that then there's a limit that we can set and we say no I now have to go and do my work so we're going to play for the 10 minutes the timer will go off and then I have to go and play now they might get upset when we set that limit and we need to transition to doing something else and that's okay then we respond with empathy and an explanation I know if you really want me to keep playing it's a shame that I have to go do my work but I do we will do this again tomorrow yeah so set what we call a loving limit set the limit do it with love now the first time you do that it might feel really weird and hard because it's like they really enjoyed that time with you just playing with them and just concentrating on them and it's hard to let go of but when you've done it a few days in a row they'll start to learn oh we do this again tomorrow we do it again tomorrow I can rely on this I can expect it now the other bonus is when you set the timer 
for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is you can commit. It makes it easier on us as adults because for a lot of, a lot of us adults find it hard to do child-led play. For some people it comes really naturally. My mum can do child-led play for like an entire afternoon and I sit there going, I don't know how she can, like I just, I don't know how she does that. <laughs> I can't. The imaginative play in particular, I can sit and build Lego and whatever, but I can't do the imaginative play stuff. For me, time drags when I'm doing that. I feel awful saying that, but it's just the truth. So when you are an adult and you're sitting there and you're doing the child-led play, you can have sometimes a lot of thoughts about other things you need to be doing and that this feels hard and all of that stuff. So if you know that it's going to end at 10 minutes, <laughs> it makes it, and at a time it's going to go off, it makes it a lot easier to tolerate that 10 minutes and it makes it easier to focus and resist the temptation to go scroll your phone or to go exit yourself and find something else to do. 10 minutes isn't long, but it makes a big difference to our kids. Now, I'm just gonna suggest starting with 10 minutes and if you can, gradually increasing it up to 30 minutes. If you can. Like I said, it's something so small, but it makes a massive difference and you really will see the improvement in their behavior for the rest of the day. They feel that sense, it fills two buckets at the same time. The first bucket it fills is the attention bucket so our kids have an attention bucket that they need filled by us every single day. They need a certain amount of attention to know that they are safe inside the relationship with us, that they are connected, that there's a warm attachment there and they're secure and safe. So then we've got to fill that bucket every day. So if we fill it proactively, then what we do is um, potentially prevent them trying to fill the bucket of their own accord by reaching out for connection, sometimes even in negative ways. So for some kids, if they're struggling, they're not getting that attention bucket filled, they will try to fill it. And they really don't care if it's filled through positive attention or negative attention, they just want attention. So they'll, be, it's, they'll offer these connection-seeking behaviours going, I need you to fill my attention bucket. I need some connection to fill this bucket. And they grapple and grapple and they grab at us to try to fill it. And we get frustrated. We're like, why are you not leaving me alone? And we don't see that that's what they're trying to do. They need that bucket filled in order to feel secure and safe. So if we can be proactive with that 10 minutes of present time, we'll be helping to fill that bucket and we will prevent some other behaviours down the track, some more challenging behaviours potentially. You'll also increase the likelihood of them being able to leave you alone if you have work that you need to get done. So if you need a chance to concentrate on something, then start the morning with present time. Fill that bucket, fill the attention bucket early and proactively. It will free you up to do your own thing later on. Now, as I mentioned, there were two buckets and that it fills. So that one was the attention bucket. The other one is the control bucket. So our kids do not have much control over the course of their day, especially small children. They get dictated to an awful lot of the time. But they do have, and just as we all do, all do, an innate need for some control over, the, over their own life. So when we do child-led play and they get to take charge, they get to make up the rules, they get to pretend to be the teacher or the parent or the person in charge, what happens is they're filling that control bucket. And again, what that's going to lead to is preventing some other behaviours coming out where they're actually trying to get some control and trying to fill that control bucket of their own accord, sometimes in really unhelpful, difficult, challenging ways, in ways that test our patience. 
And when we're thinking, why do you always want to be the one in charge? Why are you bossing me around? Why? <laughs> if you feel like your child grapples for a sense of control, like controlling the whole house, be proactive and give them a chance for control wherever you can. Feel that bucket early and you will feel things change in your house. So that was number five. Start with 10 minutes of present time with the kids. Set the timer, go all in, no distractions, and let them lead the way in the play. It will make all the world of difference for the rest of the day. Number six is to start daily gratitude practice. So a daily gratitude practice with the kids. Now again, this is about lifting ourselves out of survival mode and scanning for the positives in the situation. Now I do want to be really clear, I said this already, but I want to be really clear that all our feelings are normal and okay. It is totally okay to sometimes just not be grateful. <laughs> that is okay. And we also want to acknowledge and be okay to talk about the sad and the difficult and the challenging and the stressful. So a daily gratitude practice is not about ignoring or pretending or pushing away the shadow side of things, okay? But it is about taking some time to sit and go, we can look for the positives. We can look and focus, choose right now to focus and honor the things that we are grateful for. Annette said, this is ringing so true. 10 minutes at the beginning of every day, done. Can I do this after I get myself dressed? Yeah, you could do this at any time of day. Annette, I'm recommending it at the start of the day because it'll pick up the tone of the rest of the day. Um, but you can do it whenever you choose, whenever fits best for you. It's also a really good way of rescuing your day. If you get to like mid-afternoon and things have just gone off the rails and you're like, why is everyone so tense? <laughs> and you're in a parenting shitstorm, 10 minutes of present time is a great way to get things back on track. If you can manage it, you might have to calm yourself down first. <laughs> So stop, have a breath of fresh air and a cup of tea and then go in there for the present time. <laughs> All right, so daily, let's get back to number six, which is a daily gratitude practice. So it might be at the dinner table. So what we do is at dinner every night, everyone has a turn saying what their, what was good about their day. What was something they are grateful for today? And it's so cute. And also if I forget to do it, my four-year-old remembers. So, and it really does help you to scan for the positive. What was good today? Especially right now, like stage four lockdown, all the days feel very the same. <laughs> Is it the weekend? What does it matter? <laughs> so, <laughs> when you do this daily gratitude practice, particularly at dinner, it does help you think, concentrate on the day and go, well, what was good about it? Instead of just thinking we did nothing today, it all just blurs in. Highlight something that you actually really enjoyed something that really did work well now some kids actually my my sister does this a lot and her daughter eventually said to her mum you do this every day but you don't it makes it feel like you just want to talk us to talk about the positives <laughs> she's pretty cluey we've done a lot of talking with her about feelings um and she said i want to say what was what was also bad about today you know what didn't work well for me today and that's fair enough too if they want to talk about well what what actually do you need help with today? What was something you needed help with today? What was something that didn't go well? Okay, we can hear that. And also let's focus on what was, what was something that was good? What was something that went well? What's something that you're grateful for today? It's a really nice way to kind of close out the day all, all together at dinner time and to have that a moment of connection and positivity at dinner. Now, number seven 
is to remember and embrace something our kids do really naturally that's actually a lot harder for us but it makes a world of difference if we can dig in and do it it actually makes a world of difference it comes really naturally to some people but it's harder for others and it is nonsense play we want to get ourselves out of survival mode and offer a really fun way to connect with our kids are you running away again yeah um nonsense play is one of the greatest ways to do it finding ridiculous things to laugh about making up rules like everyone has to walk backwards <laughs> from for the next 10 minutes everyone's got to only walk backwards or when we're, we're all going to go have a like all the kids are going to the bath everyone has to walk backwards or you have to not step on the cracks or you have to hop or you put a washing basket on your head and just be ridiculous <laughs> these are the little moments especially especially if it's a challenging time of day like getting the kids to bed or something like that if you can turn it around into a game and get everybody laughing and diffuse the tension that way now remember that kids especially have how do I describe this a biological need to cry we all have a biological need to cry to process our feelings and to release the positive chemicals that come out when we're finished crying kids need that more often than adults that's why kids sometimes when they're just throwing a tantrum and you have no idea where the tantrum came from what it is really about is they just hit their threshold when their body knew that it was time for a cry and to release some pent-up emotions and feelings and tiredness and all sorts of things so it actually has nothing to do with the thing that threw the tantrum about and it is purely about getting out the feelings poo <laughs> so just as we need to poo on a regular basis kids need to and we need to better out than in feelings are also better out than in and it needs to come out on a regular basis with the crying so but what this has to do with nonsense play is that crying and laughing are very closely associated in the brain and they release the same chemicals so if you're approaching those really difficult times of the day where everyone starts to get tired and tense if you can diffuse it into complete nonsense and get everyone laughing you can actually dodge the need to have the cry because you will release the same chemicals you will release the same biological process as they would have met through having a great big tantrum and a great big cry and what you will get is a much more positive sense of connection and coming together so nonsense play as grown-ups we have all got to make a commitment to getting better at it and remembering how the re there's a reason kids engage in it it's powerful and it's important and it's fun so we do have to dig deep sometimes but it will make the world of difference that was number seven number eight is remember to move your body to shift your mind so when you are feeling down in the dumps when it's all feeling too much where your day just feels draining and overwhelming and you feel bogged down or you're just in a difficult moment maybe you're in that parenting shitstorm, maybe your kids are the ones bogged down Remember, move your body to shift your mind. When you move your body, they'll release brain chemicals. Oh, Mummy, can you help me treat another one? Sure. Guys, I will be right back. Just going to do a channel change. <laughs> All right, come on, quick. What do you want to watch from Back again. <laughs> I knew that would happen. All right, 
So move your body to shift your mind. This is the thing that we so often forget, that when we're in that shitstorm, whether it's us or our kids, the thing that can change the mood completely by releasing a whole set of new brain chemicals is simply getting up and moving, whether it's getting them to do some star jumps, whether it's running up and down the house, whether it's getting outside for a walk, engaging in some form of physical play, us or them, will make all the difference to our mood and it will help lift us out of survival mode and it will improve the connection to our prefrontal cortex. So movement strengthens the pathways between our limbic system, the feelings part of our brain, and our thinking part of our brain. So that's what we wanna concentrate on. Move your body to shift your mind. One of the key ways to get ourselves out of just survival mode and up the pyramid to a place where we can actually be learning and growing and connecting and be emotionally available for our kids and all of those sorts of things. All right, we're up to number eight. No, that was number eight. Now we're at number nine. Walk, water, breathe. <laughs> Walk away, water, breathe, take a break. So often when we're at home with our kids and we're feeling, we're already feeling stressed, we're already uh, really active in our limbic system, our feelings part of our brain is really fired up just because of life and everything that's going on. And that because our limbic system is fire is so firing so much, it's putting at risk of just plunging into survival mode more often than we normally would. What can happen is we are already in that mode. Therefore, it becomes and it shapes how we see and perceive our children's behaviour. Therefore, it shapes how we react to our children's behaviour. We become more reactive instead of responsive. So. When, that, when we're in that mode, what happens is we start to think that everything our child does needs to be reacted to immediately. That we have got to jump in there and deal with it straight away. <laughs> we forget. We're so fired up and in our limbic system and we're not well connected to our thinking brain. We forget that it's an emotion, not an emergency. We forget that what's going on is probably not life or death. We forget that we actually can, most of the time, walk away, take a breath, go get a glass of water, take a moment to look after ourselves, take a moment to settle down our limbic system, before we engage with our kids. Now this single tip sounds, it's kind of like so basic that it can't be true. <laughs> like, really? How does that really cut it? <sighs> Actually, it makes the world of difference to remember that it's only an emotion. Whatever it is that's going on for our kids is rubbing us the wrong way, whatever they're doing. It's not life or death. Either it's an emotion or not an emergency or it's just not a life or death situation. We can walk away. We can get a glass of water. We can breathe. We can respond instead of react. I think that's a particularly important one to remember at this point of time, just because 
we are so bombarded, we are so collectively stressed that we are all operating from our limbic systems, the feelings part of our brain. You can see evidence all over social media of people disconnecting from the thinking part of their brain. <laughs> so we are more likely to be reactive to our children. And every time we are reactive instead of responsive, we are damaging the connection and the relationship with them. So walk away, have some water and breathe. Number 10, our final tip for today. Our final tip for turning ISO into a time for connection and a time for growth instead of just survival is to remember that we are our children's safe space. If we are worried about how they're going to get through this and we're worried about what the future looks like and we're worried about the world we've brought them into and we're just worried, 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 we're worried about how do we help them feel safe. Remember that you hold the key actually to all of that. You, the relationship with you is their safe space. The relationship with you is the thing. It's actually their whole world. It's the thing that will help them to feel safe. The relationship with you being safe is how they feel safe with everything else that is going on in the outside world. Actually, it doesn't matter everything else that's going on. They will feel safe ultimately if they are safe in their connection and relationship with you. If they know that relationship is strong, everything else that flows on is going to be fine. You are there to guide and support them through that. So actually, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Especially right now. So remembering all of those other things that we talked about, all the previous nine tips, all of those will help you to be that safe space and to make sure that they are experiencing that relationship with you in a safe, positive way and to know that they are inside the relationship, not outside of it. And that is the thing that they need most of all with everything that is going on this year. So those are my 10 tips. I believe ISO really can be a chance for connection and it is an opportunity for growth within our families. But we've got to remember that we can only grow and expand and learn through this if first of all we can get ourselves out of survival mode. The growing and the learning and the expanding will actually flow naturally in whatever direction you choose so long as you can shift yourself up the pyramid away from just purely survival mode. So I hope that has been helpful guys. Thank you so much for watching and joining in and I would love to hear what you think. Oh, and I will mention as well, if you want to find out more about what I do and my work, my Facebook page is Caroline Ellen Safer Stronger Kids. I think it's safe, at Safer Stronger Kids on Facebook. On Instagram it's at Safer Stronger. And my website, if you want to check it out, is saferstrongerkids.com. Now, so I have a membership called The Village. In The Village, we're about to start a course called Into the Unknown, Revolutionary Parenting for a Changing World, which is a big title and a really important course. It's a course that is about how do we parent our kids in a way that is going to prepare them for this post-pandemic world because as much as we might want to believe and we'll be thinking, when is life going back to normal? 
when is it gonna go back to how it was? I think we're at a point now where it's like, it's never gonna be the same as what it was. We are approaching a world that is going to look different. How, how, what do we do with our kids that will genuinely help them through that? How do we help them to be the person, people that they are going to need to be to, to live in this post-pandemic world? So I sat down with a pen and paper and wrote down, I was like, okay, this is gonna take all my 15 years of experience <laughs> to really work out a formula for what we can do here. Because it is a very challenging time to be a parent, to be looking at the future and thinking, I don't know what the future holds for my children. I don't know what world I've brought them into anymore. It doesn't look how I thought it would. That is the most unsettling feeling as a parent. So that's why I created this course to go, what do we need to be doing? How are we going to do it? So it's called Into the Unknown, Revolutionary Parenting for a Changing World. It's inside the village. And I will drop a link to my Facebook page and my website in the comments. Annette said, thanks girl. Oh, great, Annette, that's awesome. All right, thank you guys for watching. I hope that was helpful. Thanks again for joining me for Save a Stronger Kids, the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what I do, check out my website, safestrongerkids.com. Follow me on Facebook, Caroline Ellen, Safer Stronger Kids, and Instagram, at Safer Stronger. Can't wait to talk to you again next time.